And welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your Calcio to go. I'm Frank Cravello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. <laughs> Ciao, Frank. What the hell did you do to this place? <laughs> I, I go away for three weeks. Daddy leaves the house for like three weeks and trusts the Calcio kids and 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 I come back and it's all trashed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to take a bet? Um, no, it's <laughs> it's uh, unbelievable. You know, the international break is supposed to be a time where we kind of rejuvenate. You know, get back, focus, and relax, enjoy a little calcio on the international stage. We didn't have any of that. It was all anxiety, all anxious, all rumors, all kinds of shit going on uh, left and right. We could not take a break. Uh, wow, wow is all I'm gonna say. Oh, welcome. And, and, and the, the, the chat is here. Anthony Reno Z is here. Dominic's here. Uh, good to have you. If you're uh, tuning in, uh, please uh, check in with us in the chat. I wasn't going to have a beer tonight. I, you know, I was going to say, oh, let's get through this and all this other stuff. But now that I've like processed everything that's going on, I, I can't help it. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I thought you were going to chug that for a second. No, 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 no. <laughs> Those 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 days are long gone. Uh, that's 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 college, my friend. That's, that's the last time I chugged a beer. Oh my so, goodness. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's just in, it's in, it's in, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Uh, but how are you otherwise? I'm good. I mean, um, the weather's been fantastic. It's been uh, nice fall weather. Actually, I had got to have a, a nice date with my wife for the first time in years, it feels like. So it's, it was a good, good weekend. It was a good weekend overall. So outside of yeah. couch, it was great. My wife's birthday is coming up uh, next Thursday. So I'm my already on. up this week, too. So yeah, I'm already telling her. I said, you need pick where you want to go out to dinner. We're going to actually go out on a date. We're going to get away from the kids. Yeah. Um, we're trying to also figure out going. We, we're trying to get to a point where we're trying to go on a trip for like a long weekend and get away from nice. the kids as well. So kids are getting right. at that age where. You know, I'm not going to do what I just did here with Calcio. <laughs> you know, there will be adult supervision for my kids. Yeah, but man. Yeah, man. I, I can't, you know, just uh, but it's just insane. But yeah. Um, so yeah. Make sure so you those... sign out of your DraftKings if you do leave. OK, what's that? Make sure you sign out of your DraftKings accounts if you do go out. Hey, hey, you know, speaking of which, <laughs> DraftKings actually treated me pretty good yesterday. Udinese and Lecce. I had oh Florian, Florian, Tovin, Florian Tovin as captain and. Uh, one one draw, and I scripted I scripted it all all for that. So I, I took a nice little profit on that match. So um, I was surprised at the pay. I think that was paying out. Uh, I think I was surprised with the the, the contest. It was fifteen dollars an entry, and they're like they're paying out two thousand dollars to the winner. So it's like as long as you didn't bet against City, I sit down. That's all that matters. I didn't bet against City, I sit down. Good, you won't get in trouble so. with the feds. Well, no, I. I <laughs> I don't know where you're going with it. Oh, oh, yes. Ah, I see where you're going with it now. Daddy's okay. got to catch up now. Come on. <laughs> so, so no, but see, I don't, I don't play, I don't play football professionally. So I can go ahead and I can go ahead and partake in this kind of stuff. So, Fair enough. Um, but anyway, 
We're going to get to that. We've got so much to talk about. We're going to recap the Itsuri. Uh, you know, we're going to, and, and, and pardon the brevity on all of the topics because there's just so much to cover tonight, everybody. Uh, but we will uh, cover the, uh, the Itsuri's performance over the, over the international break. Uh, we're going to talk about this gambling scandal. Who's implicated? Who do we know is probably screwed? And who's talk, who's, who's being talked about getting screwed here? Um, I, Papu Gomez banned for two years uh, after, shortly after joining Monza. We'll talk about that. Uh, oh, and 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 there was Calcio played over the weekend. We'll get into that. Milan Juventus. Uh, Reno wants to probably come in here and, and, and pound his chest. And congratulations, Reno, on the yeah. win. But quite frankly, and, and it's not because we don't like Juve. We literally don't have a lot to say about that game. I mean, if there is a big game with almost nothing, pretty much nothing to say about it, it's that one. Um, and then we'll talk about the rest of match week nine, uh, get into champions league wins for inter and Napoli today, preview PSG Milan going on tomorrow. Uh, who does Lazio have again? Oh, I don't is, know. La- is it Feyenoord this time? I think so. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Um, I wanted to say it was Feyenoord. Chad, help me out before I'm trying to get in, the- trying to get into the, uh, we'll figure it out along the podcast. It is Feyenoord. I was right. There you go. So in in uh, in Holland. So uh, and then we'll also uh, quick uh, scan through uh, Europa and uh, Conference League. Finish with the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? We're still calling it Who won Calcio Twitter. We we, we refuse to give in to calling it Who won Calcio X. And there's a lot of nominees. Thanks to the yeah, kids. we got thanks a lot to, to go kids. through. It is going to be a busy night. So uh, get your favorite drink. Uh, hang out. Um, with us here for a little while as we get you through all of this. And uh, let's start with Italy, Richard. Um, And I, you know, I'm going to give you my take on what I think happened and how I thought, think what I think Spalletti's thought process was uh, throughout this international break. Um, A three nil win over Malta with arguably their strongest possible side. Four, Four nil, excuse me. Uh, with arguably their strongest possible side. Uh, and then ch- a changed lineup, uh, putting a player like Scalvini, who we think has a lot of promise, but maybe um, uh, <laughs> not the right environment to have him play in a game like this, uh, but losing to England 3-1 after a one-goal lead. So uh, give us your version of the events you saw with Italy's two games over the break. <laughs> I see Eric's comments in the chat. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> um, my two thoughts. I mean, I, the game against Malta, um, yeah, good result. Uh, had Like I said, probably their strongest lineup there. It was good to see, obviously, you know, Anthony Privetra, who was joined, joined me on the podcast last time. Uh, we talked about how the good field, good field story was for Bonaventura. They finally get called up. And then he gets the first goal on the yeah. first start, which is amazing to see. And they get the you know, they get the form the formal victory for nothing there. There's a formality there, and then you know again game against England. Um, I knew what was coming from the beginning. Uh, obviously, we had all had high hopes on this. I didn't get a chance to watch the game live, and and but I knew what was going to happen. And then when I saw the lineup, I'm like, okay, I have a really strong feeling what's going to happen here. Uh, obviously, this game's being played in London, and with the guy like Jude Billingham who is playing on a world class level at the moment. It was going to be a long day for the Azzurri, uh, and it sure did. It sure proved like it, and I think there's a couple takeaways from this, right? Um, 
it's good you get the result against Malta. I think it was important in the grand scheme of things. Um, did it also showed a glaring weakness? And yes, the loss to England sucks. Does it? Does it? Is it the end all be all? No, there's still opportunity. But the the most glaring thing for me was the lack of depth on this team and the defense is shambolic at the moment. It is not a worthy Azzurri defensive lineup that I. I mean, it's my one of the worst defensive performances I've ever seen. Uh, towards defensive lineups we have, and I mean, Bastoni didn't do himself well. Scalvini, Acerbi, I mean, you name it. Anybody in the back four uh, who played in that game was pretty, pretty atrocious. And so that was a big takeaway for me. Not so much that we lost to England; it was just that the defenders we have these days, there's no one that screams world class level, right? There's no Canavaros, there's no Maldinis, no Nonestas. Uh, you name it, you name those defenders. And oh, Zanetti's Argentinian anyway, but um, there's no defensive player that screams at you like wow watch out for this guy he's gonna control the game no Borezi of the world uh and and it's not what we we come accustomed for the azuri azuri yes we're not the catenacho that we used to be we are a little bit more attacking but still the heart of the azuri is the defense and there was none in the england game and so some things to correct with two big games still left to play uh but i think the england game's a throwaway if you're if you're spalletti I'm going to give a take that's probably going to be sideways from what everybody else was thinking with this Italy performance uh, with this, with these two games. Um, I think Spalletti, Spalletti can get pretty analytical with what he's working with. Okay. Uh, And I think he looks at this situation. Look, I, I, let me back up my overview of what I'm about to say is I think Spalletti approached this international break with the bigger picture in mind. Okay. And that bigger picture is qualifying and getting to Euro 2024. Now people are going to take a look at this and tell me, well, how could that be with the lineup that they put out against England? Well, hear me out. Do you put this lineup against Malta? And what if you don't get the result? Okay. Um, so what I think happens here is Spalletti has a pool of players, many of whom are playing every three days as it is. Okay. So he looks at the Malta game and he says, we need to win this three points. I'm not screwing this up. My best possible lineup goes out and gets those three points. Does that now turns around to the Italy game, makes adjustments in the England game, (laughs) makes adjustments. Um, changes the team, gives Udogi a start, gives Scalvini a start, gives Fratesi a start, Skamaka and El Shrawi, okay, and says, all right, not my strongest team, going to England where we're underdogs. I'll put this team out here. If I can get something out of it, great. If I don't and I lose, nothing really changes with the big picture. Yeah. Okay? They still have to go – and win their last two games, no matter what would have happened against England. Okay. They have to beat North Macedonia and they have to beat Ukraine. Now you could make the argument that, okay, get something against England or beat England, beat North Macedonia. And now you're ahead of Ukraine. You go into that Ukraine game only needing a draw probably understands that. But I think Spalletti probably looks at this and says, if Italy can't win against North Macedonia and at Ukraine on our last round of qualifiers, then we don't deserve to go to Euro 2024 anyway. 
And I think a lot of the fa- I think that a lot of the Azzurri fan base will agree. I would agree with that. I agreed with it. Hey, we can't. We get thirty-two chances in a World Cup qualifying playoff against North Macedonia and can't score. Forget about trying to get past Portugal in the next round to try to qualify for the World Cup. If we can't get it in against North Macedonia, we definitely don't deserve to go to the World Cup. Okay, and yeah. I think the same line of thinking is going on here with Spalletti. It's just Italy fans aren't going to like that, and I understand. But yeah. a manager has long-range planning to do. In the past, what we would have seen from Mancini or whomever was that, hey, it's Malta, let's throw some more scrubs, and kind of what Vincent's saying, why didn't Acerbi and Scalvini start that game and then put the big dogs against England? And to your point, what's the point? You go, you play, you put your B lineup against Malta, and what have we seen from the Azzurri in, over the last, I don't know, eight years? Games against Malta is where we blow them. We don't play the best best lineups, even if we play the best lineup sometimes, and yeah. we can't even get a result. And so why not put your best 11 against Malta and assure the three points? And in England, if you played our best 11, there is a low probability that you're going to win that game. Now, you may mm-hmm. get a draw. That's great. But then you get a draw in the England game, and maybe you get a draw in the, in the Malta game. Whereas in this situation, you get three points from Malta, zero from England, and you're one point better than you would have been. And now you have a very realistic chance of moving on if you handle business against you know north macedonia and ukraine but yeah i understand that thinking and i i am in agreement with that and in the past we would have done the opposite we would have thrown our scrubs against a smaller team and gone for the big you know stick our chest and see what we can do against england it's like no it's just not a tournament this is a trying to qualify for a tournament so you got to do what you got to do to get the maximum points possible and i think what spalletti how he entered into this was correct in hindsight and now let's just and 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 put it into that context let's just let's just take it a step further this lineup that you see on this screen here, you put that against Malta. Let's say they come out of that with a draw. And yeah. now, you, now you're putting the burden on the better lineup to win against England to keep pace with Ukraine. And you don't do that. Now you're, five points, now you're five points behind Ukraine. Okay. And you put Ukraine in a situation where a draw gets them, you know, a draw gets them through. Okay. And you put a t- you just, you put even more pressure on the situation. So I think that Spalletti. I'm I'm trying to get in Spalletti's mind, and I think that this was the path that he chose for those reasons. While all, at the same time, man managing his team with a lot of these guys playing every three days, it's like, all right, you can't keep running these guys into the ground too. So yeah. I, I think I, I'm pretty sure it's understood in that Italy camp that no matter what was going to happen with this round of internationals that they were going to have to win the last two games anyway. So it didn't really, it, it was almost like saying that the, the England game was really a throwaway game. Yeah. Um, right. So now the, the fans and, and aren't going to like hearing that, but yeah. you're right. What are you trying to do it? Get to the tournament. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but- and sometimes you, sometimes you, sometimes you punt one just to have yourself set up. And then and, and in the end, Italy still controls their own destiny. Yeah, and this only works is if Italy go out and handle business the next two games. If they don't, obviously many questions are going to be asked about the England and all that stuff, and that's fair. But I think the idea that Spalletti ran with his best team against Malta and then not his best team against England tells me that he's prepared for the long game, like you're saying, and that we're, we should expect a better perform, two good performances against North Macedonia and Ukraine. Let's cross our fingers at hopes because I think the main goal for any Azuri fan is to qualify. We, you know, we did qualify for the World Cup two times in a row now, right? We yes, we won the Euros in 2020, but that's four yeah. years ago now, three years ago. Um, so we need to qualify for some tournaments first. We're not at that level where we can start thinking about let's win a damn tournament. Let's let's get in. 
And looking at the standings, just to take it another step further, if they beat North Macedonia, they'll be level on points with Ukraine, and they've already beaten Ukraine, which means going to Ukraine, well, really Poland, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, they just need a draw because they'll have the head-to-head. I believe it's head-to-head that because they'll already have a superior goal difference over Ukraine. Right now, Italy's at plus four, and Ukraine's at just plus three. And if they beat North Macedonia, they're going to add to that goal difference. So if that's the first tiebreaker, well, then a draw is still going to do. Right. Um, so this England game was meaningless in the context of trying to qualify for Euro 2024. And that's the argument I'm willing to make, and I'll stand by it. Yeah, Apex says, uh, Italy just needs to be patient with Spalletti. For me, he is the right guy to take this new generation forward to the next level. We, I think most of us agree 100% on that. Yeah. Now, some people might want to sit there and say, well, if you would have had your best team and they would have beaten England, well, then two draws against, you know, a draw against North Macedonia and a draw against Ukraine is enough. And I said, yeah, that's fine. I understand that. I understand that line of thinking. But, but I even, mean, how confident are you going back to my earlier point? How confident are you in this uh, duty defense? Not and I'm talking about Scalvini and Acerbi. I'm talking about Mancini and Bastoni. Bastoni has been. He looked weak in the England game. He's looked weak for Inter, you know, today uh, and this weekend. And he's had a little bit of a decline lately. And Mancini, you know, we know what he is, right? He's the, the new Matarazzi. Um, he he plays fairly consistent, but he's a red card waiting to happen at times if you if you get yeah. under his skin. Uh, but he's he is. Uh, I, I argue Mancini might be the best defender we have at the moment. Huh. Am I wrong. No, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not concerned. You know, I'm not as. Con- I'm not as concerned. I mean, you're you're throwing Scalvini in there against one of the best, one of the best strikers in the world. Um, you know, in that in that players in the best in that striker's backyard, no less. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's a new backyards in Byron, isn't it? But no, I am joking. Um, I think temporary residence, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think our. Our advantage, despite having the center backs not being the strongest at camp, that we have really good wing backs, right? Di Lorenzo on his day is one of the best, uh, certainly in Serie A, and he's certainly one of the best in Europe. And then Di Marco, he's shown how talented he is. Bastoni, when he's on his game, he's very good. And so, you know, if we can get our, our attacking play and our wing backs playing at an optimal level, it'll at least, and we have some good central midfielders, we can kind of mask some of the the pain that we have in the center back positions. And sure. if Donnarumma gets out of his ass, I think we'll be fine. Maybe start Vicario, right? Or yep. Provedel, but anyway. Amazing, Vince, and hear me out. What if the national team played Cristante at center back? Well, Italy won't qualify. Do you uh, want to get Roma, relegated? Roma, Roma and Fonseca already, I believe Fonseca already tried this to disastrous effect. So I think it was, I think it was Fonseca who did it. I don't mind. I don't mind Cristante, and I think this podcast has come on numerous records saying Cristante at center back is a no at yeah, any level. Any level, not. center midfielder, absolutely. I like. I actually like Cristante at a midfield level. He, you know, he can be a, a general in there. But center back, I am not a fan, and and I I would love to be win over won over by him, but uh, I that's a hard no for me. I'll pass. I think the you can almost argue though that the regista is a bigger problem than the center backs, in my opinion. Um, I don't think Cristante, I don't think was very good against England. Um, you can't bring Jorginho back because I think Jorginho's passed it. Um, you know, so I think that that is part of, I think that is part of what's aggravating things with Italy defensively. Um, you know, you got Cristante who's maybe above average at a couple of things and average at the rest. And then you've got Jorginho who is an excellent passer from the position, but not a defender. 
Um, you know, Barella so you don't, is a shade of himself. Yeah, and Barella really doesn't play that role. He, you know, he plays to the left or plays to the right. So, um, are we getting back into that? Barella is playing too many games and is starting to get worn. Is starting to yes. get burned out because we saw that happen. Um, we got Locatelli, right? Why, yeah. why play more? Play more Locatelli. Play, play more Fratese. Play more. I mean, there's some youngsters that you could be playing in that midfield. There's some good young Italian midfielders that you could be playing. Um, I wouldn't have said this 18 months ago. I would not have said this 18 months ago, but Manuel Locatelli has matured in that Regista role playing for Allegri. I don't remember who said this, and I, I, if I remember, I'll, I'll mention it on Twitter, but someone said that Locatelli is not – he is not your, your role. He's not going to be your like Zidane type player. He's not going to be your world beater or anything like that, but he's fairly consistent. Um, it's when you get to the upper echelon games. Locatelli is a good like box-to-box guy. Um, however – he needs some players around him. If you have some good pieces, like if Barella's playing at his best, best, you know, if Jorginho or Cresanto or, or Verratti are playing at their best, Locatelli can do his thing and he can be fine in that mix. But if, you, yeah. if you're depending on Locatelli to be the man for the midfield, it ain't going to happen. It is mm. it's not. He's not. You can't make him out to be a Jude Bellingham, right? Um, no. But he, he is good, and I, I do like Locatelli a lot since the Milan days. And uh, I think he has yet to reach his potential. I think you know, with some consistency with Juventus and then with the national team, I think it'll be good to have some rotation in the middle there to give some guys a rest like Varela, who's certainly overworked. Mm-hmm. Uh, why not use Inter's formation? That would unlock five of the starters in that formation. That's not out of the question. Spalletti has experimented with three in the back before. He he did it at Inter, actually. Um, he I don't think he did it at all at Napoli. I think he's straight up stuck with 4-3-3 the whole time. Um, yeah. So... Uh, so that's a that's an interesting question that's worth posing too. So. Uh, and I, we're both fans of Casale and Romagnoli in terms of center yeah. back. Um, why they don't get more playing time is is beyond us, especially together because they obviously they play so well together at Lazio. So uh, you know we'll see, but uh, hopefully Lazio continue to improve and they get a better chance at uh, show, showcasing their ability with the Azzurri. Yep, yep. So hang in there, everybody. Italy still controls their destiny. Yep. Let's not uh, let's not get too let's not get too panicked here. Um, moving on to we got to talk some off the pitch stuff before we get back on the pitch. And <laughs> this gamble this gambling scandal, I'll tell you, it is starting to. You know, it was it's one of those things where it's just like it's a little flame. You can control it. It's Fajoli, yeah, a little little Tonali, a little Zaniolo, but now it's 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 spreading. And, uh, you know, let's uh, why don't you uh, share with everybody what we know and where we're at with things? Well, it's uh, no thanks to that uh, to that rat uh, Fabrizio Corona, not Romano, yeah. Corona, uh, king of the paparazzi. Uh, he he's a he's a controversial figure. It's a guy who's been in jail for numerous scandals uh, throughout the years. I think 2007, 2015, the most recent that I could think of. Uh, but he's got this website. And it's called like Dillinger News or something like that. Uh, and there is where he started identifying players who have been caught up in this betting scandal. And obviously, Fajoli is one of the names, right? He is potentially getting banned for seven months, or he's get, he did get banned for seven months, part of a plea deal. Tonali mm-hmm. is Tonali, a big name for Newcastle, uh, potentially facing up to a year. Sagnolo is also under investigation. A whole bunch of other names are thrown out there. Um, El Sharawi is one that they mentioned recently who. He's claimed it's it false and is willing to sue him. Uh, but some other names that you guys uh, should put in, on your radars, whether it comes to fruition or not, we'll see. Casale from Lazio, 
Zalewski from Roma, Luis Alberto, Lazio, Rovella, Lazio, Pellegrini, Lazio, Fagioli, we know him, Barella, Inter, Gallo, Lecce, Zaccagni, Lazio, Cancellieri, Lazio, Barardi, Sassuolo, Bastoni, Inter, Gatti, Juventus. Uh, those are just some of the names that I've mentioned. Obviously, the three main guys at the moment are Fagioli, Tonali, and Zagnolo. Um, it seems, at least with Fagioli, it is a serious issue, meaning it is a um, an addiction. Because I heard stories that he got in trouble with the mafia. It was pay- it was in it was in debt. Had actually borrowed money for some of his players from his teammates, so he can kind of get out of debt and make and do some more bets. So he's got like some kind of addiction going on. Tonali's agent saying that he's got an addiction as well. So at least those two are are true. Um, so I mean, like, what do you, what, what do you make of the, all this with all this? All these guys possibly, or their names at least in the mix. Whether this comes as, as true or not, we'll find out in the coming weeks. But thoughts on all this betting scandal that you're hearing first? Okay, I gamble recreationally. Um, I'm smart enough to set limits uh, because I don't want to be that guy that turns into somebody that's tapping into his kid's education fund because he thinks there's a sure thing out there. Um, you know, and if you are that person, please get just get help. Okay, um, there's plenty of counseling places and things like that. Um, I don't know any of these players personally to know what their habits are. What I do know is that we have seen gambling get promoted. So much. The league, over the last the league sponsor of is a betting website. Exactly. You've got betting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like, I mean, B-Win was on how many jerseys for so long? You know, and now you yeah. got different, you know, Bet365 and, you know, some of these other, some of these other sites. Um, you know, and now you've got, you know, DraftKings, online sports book. You've got all of these, you know, the access to it, you know, is so easy compared to what it used to be. Um, that I'm surprised it took this long for a sport or for a league to find itself in a scandal. Um, I, you know, th- well, that's, that's kind of, you know, so it's kind of, it, it, that's the, that's the thing that surprises me. I would have thought, well, you, you've got, you've got some of that going on with NFL players or NFL players that are serving suspensions, yeah. you know, but they're not betting on their own, on themselves or they're not betting against themselves or anything like that. Um, yeah, one X bet sponsors La Liga, exactly, Eric. So, um, th- so that's the biggest surprise to me in all of this is that it took this long for something to finally unfold and unravel. You know, at least on the at least to what appears to be a, a you know a pretty decent scale here. Um, yeah, you know, so uh, all I can hope for is that Fagioli and Tonali. And, you know, if Zaniolo now comes down the line, that they get the appropriate help here. Um, you know, oh, Pete Rose didn't. There was no <laughs> app back then. There was no <laughs> app back then. Uh, so I was laughing at. Um, yeah, Ali says uh, it sounds like mostly Italians. Well, yeah, it's because an Italian, Mr. COVID, uh, Fabrizio Corona, he's the one who mentioned this, and he was only going after the Italian players. Um and also, it, uh, betting is illegal in in Italy. I'm sure, and m- obviously many other places. The big argument, and I, you know, one of the main ones that you're hearing out there is Carlo Garganese, where he's saying like, 
look at look at the look at what England's doing versus Italy, right? Italy is punishing their players, possibly ruining their lives. England, you guys got like guys got like Tony and I forget and, and Apex some of these guys who are you know English supporters. Tell there's Tony and a couple other names. I, the names are escaping me at the moment. They had way more severe betting, you know, uh, scandals brought against them, and they only got you know a few games. It wasn't much. He got small fines. Nothing compared to what Fajoli yeah. got, right? And the big issue for me is not what Italy's doing. It's why isn't English punishing more? And more importantly, why isn't FIFA and UEFA making a set standard that everyone has to abide by, not just going by country by country? Because uh, th- that would set a standard for everybody so that we all, everyone knows what they can and cannot do. Uh, and whether you go from Italy, like playing with Milan and uh, Roma, and then going over to West Ham and Newcastle, the standards are the same in terms of what you can get in trouble for, what you can't. And, and obviously it goes into more legalities and all kinds of stuff like that. But I think in situations like this is where the bigger entity, FIFA and UEFA, need to get involved. Um, and obviously we'd have to look more into all that and see how that all works and everything. I'm sure there's millions of complications, but it, it seems unfair that it's, it's, they're making it seem like apples and oranges when really something going really bad over here in England, even though it's been indoctrinated to their system for, for decades. And it's something new in Italy, it seems like, and they're exposing it right away. And it's, it doesn't. It doesn't seem unfair for the Italian youngsters who get caught up in this. Um, so th- something needs to get figured out. You know, we'll see when all this shakes out. Who actually, you know, is incriminated in all this? Is it just the three guys? Is it just two guys? We'll we'll find out. Um, Apex said that uh, in England they're talking about Tonali's looking at a ten month ban possibly. So uh, we'll see. Um, Tony got eight. Tony got eight months. Uh, oh, he did, he did he get eight months? Yeah. But he had he had two. Uh, well, there you go. Over two hundred fifty charges in in eight months. Right. So that's that's a lot. Mm. And Fajoli didn't do nearly as that. Not even nearly as that. Yeah, Truflo was the other one. Yeah, that's right. Truflo was the other guy. That's right. Um, so, yeah, it's like they had more severe things that they did and got less or equal to what Fajoli got, which, you know, that seems unfair to me. Yeah, but it also could be just the – at least the Italian governing bodies, just sports governing bodies, just trying to nip it in the bud right up front yeah. and trying to send a message to everybody else that wants to, wants, you know, or wants cut. to be tempted by the idea. So, um, you know, so it could be, it could be that going on. And the other thing um, you can think about too, is that maybe the mafia is tied up in this somehow. And so they really want to nip it in the bud. They don't want to get, you know, to extreme levels, you know, versus just, just betting. Right. Cause right. Fajoli, I think in the Fajoli thing, it was mentioned that he owed money to the mafia because of his extreme betting. And, and so maybe that's part of it. I don't know, but it, sure. it doesn't seem fair. No, it, it, you know, well, I think that, it makes sense to your point that UEFA and even FIFA steps in and and regulates this to an extent and maybe sets guidelines for appropriate punishment. Because I think otherwise, I think if you leave this up to the individual member associations, they're all going to interpret it differently like we're seeing what's going on right now. Yeah. You know? And it is hypocrisy. Um, to Ollie's point, it is hypocrisy that we have a, a, a betting website as our sponsor in Italy, and yet we're coming down so hard on them on that. Um, I mean, some of the worst things are you're hearing that Zagnolo and maybe Tonali bet on their own teams. Uh, not necessarily like match fixing like Tony, but they kind of bet, bet on their teams to win. Well, you can't do that. Pete Rose did that back in the day, and he's never made a Hall of Fame because of it. One of the best players you'll ever see uh, in, in baseball, he never is going to make the Hall of Fame because of he bet on his own team, you know, so it's a whole mess. Yeah. So, I mean, the most smoke is coming from Fajoli, Tonali, and Zaniolo. It sounds the like no. there are 
you know, some of the names that you named, did you mention El Elsher always vehemently denying? Correct. Correct. Um, I think Zaniolo is denying it too. Um, Barella is denying it as well. Yeah. From what I heard. Yep. So, so we'll see. I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be an ongoing thing. It's going to be very interesting to keep track yeah. of it and see if any of these names actually get steam as we go. Yeah. So, um, but I just hope that, you know, whatever comes of it for any of them, that they're going to get the appropriate help. It sounds like Tonali is already doing counseling. Newcastle's working on it. Now, yeah. the one thing that I will want to point out on this is like um, all of the conversation. Well, Milan had to know. And that's why they sold them. Newcastle approached Milan about Tonali. It wasn't the other way around. No. Milan didn't just wake up one morning and said, hey, we got our star midfielder gambles a lot and is probably going to get in trouble. And we know Newcastle has a lot of money. Let's go talk to him and see if they want to buy him. Though part of me thinks how how shrewd of a business company Redbird are. And yeah. That once Newcastle said that they were interested, they looked into their player Tonali and said, oh, shit, he's doing some betting. This could come back to bite us. Let's go ahead and get rid of him. I would not be surprised yeah. if that was the case. Not saying that to happen. It's, but I, I, mean, I mean, it's possible that they knew something. Business yeah, companies, they do, their, they do their homework usually when, they, when they're going to a company. Uh, so that could be it. I'm not saying it is. But, you know, I wouldn't be not be surprised if that Redbird, that was what Redbird did. But, hey, it's apparently Newcastle's problem now. <laughs> yeah. Newcastle called Milan about Tonali. Yeah. Let's set the record straight. And Milan, Milan went and sold him. No, Newcastle called and said, yeah, we we want Tonali and we're offering sixty five million, and 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 Milan's probably said we can't sign off on that fast enough. Here, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, exactly. um, you know, so that's it, it, Reno thinks that Milan. I, I I won't rule that out. I won't rule out that Milan might have known about it, but I mean, I don't know how that comes back to because then you're you're now stepping into the space of. If Milan did their homework, they wouldn't have brought him bought him from Brescia. Newcastle didn't do the background checks anyway, so it's on them. That's a good point, yeah. Apex. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you investigate Milan over this sale, you're you're now starting to get into the. You're going to have to see if it's a plus Valenza thing that Juventus got themselves in trouble for. Yeah. Um, and you have to look at every think, transaction too from before that too. For everybody. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. And it's hard to say that the club knew without evidence. Excellent. Excellent point, Anthony. Um, but I don't think, I, I don't think Milan are going to get investigated over this. I don't know. Um, I, Cause I just don't see how they're going to be able to pull it off. Yeah. Um, uh, I, 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 this may come back to bite me, but I seriously believe no Inter players are involved in this gambling BS, just like Inter was not involved in Calciopoli, right? <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully nobody else gets in. They're the clean <laughs> face of Italian football, aren't they? <laughs> even, COVID uh, even, COVID said, even COVID said that the clubs didn't know. Yeah, Fabrizio Corona. We'll call yeah. him COVID. Yeah. It will now be called COVID. So... Um, anyway, so that's the, from one scandal to now another story and just an unfortunate situation. And, uh, Papu Gomez, who lit up Serie A for many seasons with Atalanta and now is getting the opportunity to come back and play for Monza and, uh, now is banned for two years, uh, for sports doping. Now, do, now what is, 
What exactly did he take that got him into this? He shared a bottle with Pogba. No, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. Um, I want to say it was. I think I read something about certain pill or something. No, he took his son's medication or something to that effect. I got to go back and read the article on it. It was just something preposterous when I saw it. Um, I'm sure he'll uh, he'll get tested twice. He's kind of like Pogba did, but. Yeah, two-year ban for, for performance enhancing. I mean, are you giving his kids steroids? I don't know what he's doing there. But, uh, I mean, the first question that comes to everyone's mind was two. The first main one for the for City A fans is, see, we knew it. Atalanta were boosting all their players with the serum, right? That's why they were so good scoring 100-plus goals the one year. But the other, other camp is going to say, strip Argentina of the World Cup because he played on that team. Now, he wasn't a big factor on that team. But those are the two main camps that are coming out now saying – um, uh, whatever it is, I mean, Papo Gomez, it was, it was a feel good story that he came back to City A, but what, two months in, not even two months in, he's already mm-hmm. gone. And it's just, uh, Serie A can get, can get out of their own way. Like, just one thing after another, either player or team or somebody, something always happens. And it's all during a national break. I want, if that's, if it's cough syrup that's allowed him to perform like that all of these years, I want that. And I'm going to give it to my kids. <laughs> give me the okay? brand now. Um, I'm I'm I want it for my kids, Dad. I don't even have a cold. Take it anyway, yeah, and get out and get back out there. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Anthony's (laughs) in the house. Anthony, thank you so much for holding it down a couple weeks ago while I was uh, out on business uh, doing my real job. So um, we got more female viewers with Anthony. No, I'm just kidding. You should. <laughs> I don't attract any female viewers, and I shouldn't. Neither do I. <laughs> so, uh, um, but yeah, back to Papa Gomez. I mean, this whole story with him—it's. Uh, I mean, ho- we'll, we'll see what comes out of it. Uh, I mean, we had Pogba recently, and now and now Papa Gomez. But you know, if the if he does get this two-year confirmed ban, eyes will turn toward Atalanta. You know, it will. Whether you know, I think he's going to say it was oh, it was from a Sevilla or whatever. It's going to come back. City of fans, we know how they are. We know how we are. Uh, it's going to come back to the Atalanta time. And see, they were too good for to just be, you know, but players came out of nowhere and they were killing everybody in goals. We'll see. I don't know. I'm not saying that's the case. Uh, that was a special team. Special and you team. notice when they leave, they they haven't been very good when they leave. Look at Golson's today. For the most right? part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did, that's another thing that's certainly worth talking about. I mean, uh, you tell me where Melanovsky was dynamite for Atalanta and he hasn't been at anywhere close to that uh, since going to Marseille and now Genoa. Yeah. Um, Ilicic. Ilicic. Uh, exactly. You, uh, you know, it's not like Romero. Romero's been okay at Tottenham. But... I still didn't even think he was a good with, with, with uh, Atalanta, but... Um, Fair. Yeah. <laughs> so... But yeah, not, the questions will be asked whether it's fair or not. I think many people were already screaming it, and then now you get this first case of where someone was doping. Who else is doping, right? Uh, there are certainly the Argentina team is going to be looked at heavily, and as will the Atalanta team from from several years ago. I'm sure Sevilla players will too. You know, it's it's, it's just the nature of the beast. But uh, it's I I have a feeling this is not the end of the story. No. Um, I don't believe it's cough syrup for one minute. If it is, like you said. Give me the brand. Hook me up. I'm gonna hook my kids up too, and let's let's get some uh, messies in this world, right? But uh... exactly, exactly. <laughs> they don't test. They don't test the kids. No, so. not not to college. <laughs> Maybe high school. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Um, Romero is Argentinian. Check to see if his son drinks cough medicine. There you go. Or maybe Atalanta sold Romero because he refused to take it. Yeah. <laughs> so. There you go. There you go. We'll see. Gasparini special serum. We'll see. We'll just, just leave it to the chat to to just kind of add fuel to all of this. Love it. Love so, it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, let's get back on the pitch here and and uh, just quick run through, Richard. I'm going to quick run through this. The uh, 10 games that took place over the weekend in Serie A started with Hellas Verona and Napoli. Uh, Eric, give me a high feed. <laughs> Just you know, is it Barney from uh, from from The Simpsons? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, from my veins. <laughs> Cough syrup. You know, you know if that's what it was, and we got the brand. I'm buying stock in that shit right away. Oh yeah, because that shit's skyrocketing. Like, Fill really? my basement Cough with syrup this. Did this? Yeah. Papu, call me. Papu, there would be me. boxes. There would be boxes <laughs> right over here. So Messi made that shit too. Insane. Yeah. yeah. Nah, nah, Messi had legit hormone injections. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Leg extenders, whatever. <laughs> no, he's supposed to be the wholesome one out of him and Ronaldo. Huh. So, all right, all right, on the pitch. Uh, Hellas Verona Napoli, 3 1 to Napoli, and uh, Matteo Politano, goal of the week candidate. Very nice volley uh, to put him up 1 0. Uh, Quadratalia, finally back among the goals. He's starting to score with more regularity, starting to be involved in goals. He had an assist today. Uh, in the Champions League against Union Berlin. But his first goal against Verona is a goal of the week candidate. Brilliant 1v1, change of speed, putting it on his left and finishing. Uh, second goal wasn't too bad either, but 3-0 there. And then Lazovic with a consolation for Hellas Verona. Uh, Inter at Torino, 3-0 there. Uh, Marcus Turam scoring first. Lataro Martinez scoring second. Chalhanolu sealing it off with a penalty. Lazio go and win 2-0 at Sassuolo. There's a good, there's a seventh sister that knows how to beat Lazio. They actually do well against Lazio. Uh, Felipe Anderson and then Luis Alberto. Um, boy, Saudi's Saudi's opinion of Luis Alberto has to be a 180 by now. If it's not, he's crazy. It has I remember, to. I'm old enough to remember when Saudi didn't want to play Luis Alberto. He is pure um, magic on the ball this season. He has I been mean, outstanding. He always been, but man. I mean, he's in squad. He's 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 pretty much locking up a place in squad with Fiorentina because he is carrying that. Lots he of might be captain. Right he might be captain. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Roma with a late win over Monza by one goal to nil. Stefan El Shrawi uh, on a volley goal of the week candidate there. Uh, Bologna and Frosinone two one to Bologna. Ferguson scoring. Di Silvestri launching a header from uh, somewhere outside of Bologna. Long range. Uh, yeah, uh, to make it two nil. Uh, Sule with a uh, consolation on a penalty uh, for the losers. Uh, Salernitana 2-2, Cagliari, Lovumbo scoring first. Uh, then it was Bulaidia, and then it was Viola for Cagliari to make it 2-1. Dia getting a late later penalty, uh, making it 2-2 there. Atalanta beating Genoa by two goals to nil. Adamola Lookman scoring from sea level uh, to give Ladea a 1-0 lead, and then it is closed out in the 95th minute by Ederson. Milan nil, Juve 1 uh a the Malik Chow red card uh allowed Juve to play Allegri ball a long range effort from Locatelli deflected goes in Juve get the win and the three points away uh Udinese on Monday 1-1 with Lecce uh Florian Tovan with a penalty and then uh Diversa subs out Gallo he subs out Udan he subs out Sudefetsa and he subs out Ristovic 
and were like, what the fuck are you doing? And I even said that on Twitter. And I said, this is your answer to trying to come back and get something out of this game. And here comes Sansoni and Piccoli, two of the substitutes. He knows ball. For the goal. This is why I'm over here and I'm not <laughs> on a pitch managing a team. <laughs> yes. So one, one there. And then uh, the uh, Tuscan Derby and a shocker. Uh, to round out the games, Fiorentina nil, wow. Empoli two, Caputo, and then Jassy. Jassy's goal, the goal of the week candidate. Yeah. So, Milan Juventus was the headliner of this, Richard. And I mean, we're not really going into detail about this game for a reason because there's really not a whole lot to go into detail about. Okay, Milan were kind of. You know, they were controlling the game. They were controlling proceedings. And then Malik Chow gets the red card in a situation where there's really nothing else he could do there. He could, could have let them just go through and score, um, you know, but and, and stayed on the pitch. Uh, but it, it Milan going a man down made it very easy for Juventus to play the way Allegri likes to have Juventus play and then find a way to get that one goal, ride the game out, and get the three points. I mean, that's... That's that game in a nutshell, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone wants to point to, and Ali says, you know, Milan messed it up for themselves with uh, Tomori was pushing up too hard, left Tiao exposed. Sure. Um, and yeah, the first thing with, with Tiao, right? Because everyone wants to say, throw the book at Tiao. He is the one to blame. Should he have been beat by Moise Kane? No, but he was. And so he had two options at that point. It's don't do anything, let him go. Don't foul him, let him go. And it's going to be a sure goal. It's going to be a sure goal, Kane against uh, against um, uh, Mirante one on one, or you pull him down as a red card uh, and then give your chance. I say pulling him down for the red card was the correct play by Malik Chow yeah. because you pull him down, you get a red card, sure, but your team has a chance to play. Your team has a chance to be at zero zero. You may go up one nothing there if, if Moise Kane goes in, walks in, and Amirante um, scores a goal, one um, nothing. They're going to play an Allegri ball. It's going to be hard to get back in the game. We had. Milan had very little chances up to that point anyway. Um, Juve were playing sublime defensively. We're not allowing Milan to do anything in the final third. And so it's going to be difficult all game long. This is what happens when you play Juventus in a big game. It's going to be difficult. Like we were talking pre-chat. When's the last time someone scored a worldy goal against Juventus? It's probably a long time, right? And so you got really good chances if you take that red card. And we saw Milan play for the next 20 minutes really well. They still looked like a better team of the two teams, even with the man down. I thought um, they had probably created more opportunities when they had win a man down. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Yassine Adley was playing fantastic. For me, the game changed not at the red card. It changed in the 60th minute when uh, you take off Adley, who I thought was playing one of the best one of the best players for Milan at the time, and brought in Krunic. And yeah. immediately the game changed. Juve started attacking more. They went after Krunic. Krunic was at fault for the goal because it deflected off of him. Um, the game just changed drastically, I think, once Krunic was involved. And it wasn't so much a TL for me. It was when Krunic came in. Uh, so he was my flop of the match. And, you know, obviously Pioli gets some, some fault for that. But I thought considering... Where, Pioli, can't, Pioli can't help himself with Krunic, and that's the problem. It's his baby. It's his baby, right? Yeah. Um, and the thing for me is that Going into this game, no Mike Magno, no no Teo Hernandez, no Chukwese. There was a list of players that they didn't have at their expose at their at disposal. If they got away with the draw in this game, it would have been a good result. It really would have. Um, 
And so only to lose one nothing off a you know a deflected goal. Juve deserves all the credit for the win, right? They played Allegri ball masterfully. Um, did not allow, allow Milan to get anything. They had one great chance early on where uh, Leao fed to Giroud and Chesney made a world class save. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, Juve were were smart. They were they blocked perfectly. Bremer they made the adjustments. Leao was just destroying Gatti all game, and then they switched made the switch. Brought Bremer over there and kind of really shut that down a little bit more. Um, you got to give credit to Allegri more so than blaming Tiawa on this. And uh, for me, the game certainly changed when, when the Kroonich play happened. But what are your thoughts on the game? Um, I, I, I think that the red card was, I, 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 I see it a little differently. I think the red card yeah. was detrimental. Um, but again, we agree that Tiawa had no choice. Tiawa had no choice. Um, Armenian entries is in the house. Good to see you. Uh, but it made it easy for Allegri to carry out his tactics. You know, um, I, I, I read a lot of the Pioli out fan base, the Pioli out faction of Milan Twitter talking about this is on Pioli. The team just isn't creating enough quality chances. Let me let you in on a little secret about Juventus. They don't let anybody have quality chances. They just don't hand them out. Okay, you have to grind for your goals against Juventus. Go and look at the standings. They are the best defense in the league again. They've only conceded six goals uh, through nine games. And you have to really, if you're going to score against Juventus, the way they're set up right now and the way Allegri has them playing, and with Serie A being their main focus, and the way Allegri likes to set his teams up, you are going to have to really grind out your chances against them to beat them. They're not going to give it to you, okay? Uh, they're not like some of these teams that are a lot leakier defensively. It can be said, uh, you know, like a Hellas Verona, um, you know, even like a, a a Genoa or even a Torino who the Milan beat 4-1. Um, Juve had zero shots on goal before the deflected goal. I, you know, I think... Yeah, Milan were still playing good. With 10 men down, they were still playing good. Yeah, they were. They were, you know, but is there a chance that they had with the 10 men that made you think, wow? Yeah, I mean, they they, they created, sure. Yeah. But, you know, this whole theory of, well, they're not creating enough quality chances against Juventus. They're not, you know, nobody creates a, a lot of quality chances against Juventus. And I think it makes you go back and, and marvel at what Spalletti did with Napoli back in January when they beat them, what, five to one? Yeah. Because that doesn't happen against an Allegri coach team very often. No, um, you know they, they, and that was kind of at the end of Juventus having their problems when they really started to straighten things out defensively. Yeah. Um, I go ahead. It sounds like you were going to say something. No, it's fair for those who say like, hey, you know, if that red card didn't happen, Pulisic was sitting in the game, um, and and so on and so forth. And I get that. And I, and I totally get that. Believe me, I'd rather play 11-11 versus 10 versus 11. But I think Milan still played well. Probably looked like the better team still at 10 versus 11. Um, a lot of people. I think the the bigger question is a lot of people said, "Why'd you take out Pulisic versus you know Giroud?" And I, I I understand it, right? I mean, yeah, you play on the counterattack, but Giroud gives you that. And I think they even I think Bonetti even said it on, on the live telecast. We're like, but Giroud gives you a presence in the air. He does. He can hold up the ball too. Leao can take on the whole team if he wanted to. He's got that pace, right? Uh, Musa, I thought, had a really good game, and he was contributing a lot. Um, Pulisic was quiet, but still, you'd rather have him on the pitch and not on the pitch. 
what's what's Pioli gonna do? He's not gonna take out a midfielder. He's not gonna take out Leal. And I understand why Giroud was in there. I do. I I really do. So it, it, it's a tough call. It's a tough call. You, to make. you when you're down to when you're down to ten men, you have to have that higher reference point to be able to play through. Yeah. I don't. Th- I mean, the only time you want to. And Pioli did this. When did he? When did, and I can't remember the game that he did this in. Um, but he went with it was something like where it was like just Leo and Chiquese up front, or Okafor and Chiquese up front, or something yep. like that. Yep. I can't remember Okafor the game. And that, yeah. yeah, and I can't remember the game that it was where it's just like okay, when you have a one goal lead, then yeah, you might go with a couple of pacier guys that you might hit directly into space and let them go chase it and exploit them in one v ones. It was the Roma game. I remember that because uh, Tomori got sent off, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what he decided to do. And he looked at he, and this was at a time where Roma defensively, in particular Mancini, and then I think Llorente were very poor in one v one situations defensively. So, but when you're a man down in an even match, and you've got eight guys have to sit back and they have to absorb, or maybe even seven guys, because all this talk about layout doesn't really come back and help defend now. And Saki is having a beef about that. I don't know if you saw that. Um, You know, you need a target to get it out to that can hold, that can absorb, that can have that ball at his feet long enough for everybody to come out and help you keep it. Okay, you take that out and you try to rely, then your game gets really predictable. I mean, it kind of gets it's predictable to an extent when you're playing directly to a forward. Yeah. But um, I, if I'm down to a man, if I'm a man down, I prefer a stronger target up front that we've got to work the ball out to so that we can get our team out and 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 uh, and build an attack. Now, let's give credit to where credit's due because I think you know once. Just because you go up a man doesn't necessarily mean you're going to start dominating the game, winning the game. What we saw is a big change from, from Juve where they did start pressing more. Uh, they mm-hmm. did start attacking more. They didn't have a lot more possession. Uh, then they started bringing on the big dogs, right? Vlahovic came in. Chiesa came in. They started smelling blood and tried to go for the kill, which they rightly should have. And, you know, because of their incessant pressing, you know, they finally get the first shot off. It doesn't matter. I mean, I always, I always make this quote about Gretzky. You don't score goals if you don't take shot. Uh, and Locatelli took a shot. It deflected off Krunic and goes in the back of the net. No one is going to save that off that deflection. Uh, so Juve did what they had to do to get the win. And when it was, once it's one nothing, they kind of just cleaned up the game and made sure no other chances were created. Um, it really, it really was a legry ball after that fact. And it does help when you're up a man. But um, you know, you do got to give Juve some credit ultimately with getting the result. Uh, you know, cards fell in their favor, sure, with the red card, right? Uh, totally, totally correct call on Malik Chow. Yeah, but you, you got to still play the game and, and get the result, and and Juve did. Yep, agreed, agreed. Um, and it makes Juve a Scudetto contender all of a sudden. Um, I disagree. Uh, but uh, right now, as it pertains to the table, no, no, yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. I like Roma's squad better than Juventus is still, and that's why I picked Roma to finish fourth over Juventus with Milan, Inter, Napoli taking up the top three spots. I think I have an inter inter Milan Napoli taking up the top three spots. Okay. And you're starting to see, okay, Roma have now won three on the bounce. They've moved up to seventh. Um, 
yeah, they've, they've, you know, okay, three opponents that they should beat and take care of business, but nonetheless, they've beaten them. Um, whose roster, whose roster would you prefer? I'd prefer Roma's over Juventus's, personally. I would agree with you. I mean, obviously, Juve have the better goalkeeper. Um, defense, eh, it's a wash. I mean, yeah, I, I think Roma ultimately has a better team. Um, Chiesa and Vlahovic are probably the, the difference makers between the two teams. But I think ultimately Roma has a more complete team, especially Pellegrini, probably the best midfielder out of both teams there. Uh, but I disagree, not because your, your comment about Juve now being Scudetto favorites. I, I didn't I, say I, they were Scudetto favorites. Well, I said they're, they're a contender. Contenders, contenders, excuse me, contenders. I think they've always been contenders. Yeah. And I, I think Roma are also in the mix as well. I did pick Juve to be, what, fifth place or something like that. But I still think when they're playing their game, this team is certainly capable of, of being with no other European distractions uh, like, the, like the rest of the top seven. They can play their – they can focus on one game a week. And this is a team with Allegri. Allegri knows how to get points and wins. And Vlahovic and Chiesa getting back to form. This is a team that can contend. They're going to be in the mix. I don't know if they're going to be favorites, but they're, they've been in the mix for me for a while, um, despite my fifth-place uh, prediction. Four straight games without conceding for Juventus after they let uh, Swallow ship four on them. Yeah. Um, you know, but I still stand by my my take that, you know, and I remember though, it's, uh, the Sassuolo, Sassuolo grinded for those four goals. Milan will not make top. I, I think Milan is one of the four best teams in this league. I think what this game showed you, outside of the the win for Juventus, before the red card, Milan were the better team with their B team. Yep. You know, and that's not to take anything away from Juventus. I think Juventus is a good team. I just think Milan team is that good. Yeah. Um, they're they're maybe just below Inter, uh, probably on level with with Napoli. Uh, but uh, this is a good team. I, I certainly think they make the top four. Um, and I agree with Armenian Interista that Napoli is certainly in the Scudetto hunt. They're mm-hmm. not—they're not having the season they had last year, but they're certainly in the mix. They, they have to be in the mix. Of course, they're in the mix. They got a great team. Yep. Managers, yeah, but you know, it's a great team. Yep. Milan have, and I thought I saw somebody comment about this. All right, they've had to deal with Juve, Roma, Lazio, Juve, Roma, Lazio, Inter. They're going to get Napoli this week. Uh, they're fine. They're a, I, I, Milan is a top four team this year. Okay. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're fifth and they got into the Champions League because of the, the, the punishments against Juventus. Um, but Inter's clearly a top four team. Napoli, I think, works their way back into this. I'm Inter's still taking – what's that? I said Inter's the best team. Inter's <laughs> the best team in this league. I, I 100% agree with that. Um, I still stand by Roma for fourth. Um, and what I'm starting to see with them, it's these games where you should win. Things don't go all the way to plan throughout the course of a game, but you still find a way to grind it out and win one nil, uh, which is what Roma did here against Monza. You know, months ago they got the red card, and you think, okay, cinch should be uh, should be clear. Um, Milan after yeah, Milan after Napoli have just Fiorentina and Atalanta among their games in the first half. That okay, yeah. Um, Inter's uh, Inter has fourteen top fourteen players are class. I'm starting to see some of the comments here. 
Yeah. But let me come back to let me come back to Roma. Okay. This is a mark of a very good team that is still coming together because of a lot of new arrivals. You know, you're talking about Lukaku and Alwar and Renato, San, you know, Renato Sanchez, and you're blending that in with guys who have been there like Dybala and Pellegrini. Um, you're figuring out some of the defenders. Uh, let's go, you know, I look at this Roma team and I'm starting to see exactly what I said when they had that disastrous start and everybody was laughing at me for saying Roma's going to be fine. Uh, but here we are and they're three points out of the top four. Yep. Yep. Thoughts on Roma? Yeah. No, I think this is a team, if they can get back to the level that they were at last year, especially with that run uh, in Europa League, this is a team that's very good. Uh, and this, uh, we said this during the prediction show is that this top seven, the seven sisters this year, it's going to be a dogfight for the whole mm-hmm. season. There's so many teams that could, could, you could say that are in the mix. I mean, Atalanta, they, they only got one. Well, they got, they are in Europa League, but they're still a good squad. They, 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 they figured how to play a defensive, defensive ball and attack, score goals. Roma, Roma, I like this Roma team a lot. Um, I think Pellegrini is going to get to this new level this year and, and really be the, the general of that team. Not that he isn't already, but I think with, if it, hopefully a Dybala that's healthy and Lukaku in the mix, this team is going to score goals. They've had, they struggled for a while and they, they haven't been able to finish it, you know, with Tammy Abraham in the past and stuff like that. And Balotti's now found his, the kind of a new invigoration now this season. Um, this Roma team's legit. And if once they get a full head of steam going, if, if Mourinho can keep his mouth shut and not get those red cards, yeah, uh, I think they'll be fine. I do. Hmm. I think they're in the mix. It's just going to be a tough league and, Roma is certainly in the mix for a top four. Yep. Um, I stand by. I, I'll still stand by it. I think they've overcome some things, and 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 and, and they're on their way. Yeah. Um, Atalanta. Are they still inhibited? Because I see them beating the teams. That here's here's here's. I, I think. Sitting in six right now for them is fool's gold mm. because they're beating the teams they're supposed they've supposed they're supposed to beat. Okay, they've had a fairly breezy schedule. Uh, the out of the the, the the so-called seven sisters, they've been at Fiorentina, lost, Juventus draw, Lazio lost, one point. I think it's the failure to take significant points from the better teams that are going to keep them out of this. It looks yeah. great now and they might, and they probably will grab a European place, but I can't see him doing, I can't see him finishing top four for the, for the very reason that they're going to continue to struggle to get it done against the better teams in this league. Yeah. And we saw this uh, a few years ago, with really both Roman clubs where, you know, Roma and Lazio beat everybody in the league, but when it came to Seven Sisters, they struggled, and the reason they both missed the top four. Same thing here. If Atalanta, you, to make the top four, you're going to have to beat some of the Seven Sisters. You don't yep. have to beat them all, but you have to beat some of them. At the at present, what, one point out of three games is not going to cut it uh, with some bigger, arguably bigger games still ahead for Atalanta. And so they're going to have to show up in these games if they want to make the top four. Are they, is this, the squad capable of? Yes. Uh, they sound of, they, again, they, they've, Find a way to marry the defensive ball with the attacking play, um, and obviously with Skamaka there's you know again the goals. Lookman starting to get goals again. It's all good signs for Atalanta, and obviously with with CDK there. But you have to beat the teams that are on your level, who are direct competitors. And if you can't, 
don't even bother thinking about the top four. So until they do, until they get their 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 shit straight with the seven sisters, they're gonna be resigned to this Europa League obscurity uh, until they can figure it out. Because that's for me. If you if you're gonna be in the top four, you have to take care of business, like you said. Don't have to beat everybody, but you gotta win several games in in, in the seven sisters, and they haven't done it yet. Mm. They can be, they can play spoiler. I agree. Is 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 Bologna's eight match unbeaten run the quietest eight match unbeaten run you've ever seen? Outside of this podcast, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, um, it is, and it's because there's so many things going on in and out of the league, um, in and on, on and off the pitch. But I mean, what Tiago Mota is doing over there is quietly. It just it's just wonderful to see. I mean, he's got all his pieces playing super super well. Uh, created a lot of good chances in the game against Frozenone. Not that Frozenone has been bad this season. They've been actually pretty decent. Um, the, the players, that, the way that this Bota has got them playing defensively and offensively, it's been really a treat to see. They get the nice crossing plays. Um, they found this, uh, this, this striker who can just dish off the ball. He's big enough. He's not getting the goals yet, but, you know, you still have that guy like Orsolini out there who can get his goals. I and mean, we got some nice pieces in, on, on this team. And so, um, Bologna, man, it's just, it's chugging along. They're just, just picking up points left and right. I didn't like what they did against Frosinone where they get the two goal lead and then kind of sat back and allowed Frosinone back in the game, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to have to teach his team to have that killer instinct to keep going, shut the game out at two, nothing, not allow the team to go back in. But, uh, overall, I think, Nothing but kudos for Bologna and Tiago Mota just continues to impress. He really does. And I think we've raved about Zerze in the past here so far and his role as a forward in this team and how things seem to run through him. Orsolini's playmaking is starting to be more evident. Um, I think that having a guy like Remo Freuler with the the loads of City experience, I mean, what a masterstroke getting a guy like him after you lost Dominguez, um, you know, uh, has has also been a huge help. And you got some veteran players, some guys that have been around the block in this league. You know, Skorupski is a goalkeeper. Diesel Vestri is a, as a defender. Some guys that, you know, have been through it, you know, including Freuler. Uh, so this is a strong squad. I I picked them ahead of Fiorentina in my final predictions. Yeah. Um, and I stand by it uh, because right now, I trust the solidity that I'm seeing out of Bologna and I just think Fiorentina. I just I think there's a flakiness here to Fiorentina, even though that even though Fiorentina is currently in fifth. Um, you know, I mean this 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 draw this this not draw but loss to Empoli. Yeah, this is catastrophic. I mean, I, you know, I mean maybe I'm reading too much into it because it's the same Fiorentina that won at Napoli three uh, one before the international break. Um, but this is you're if you're trying to if you're trying to get to the next level, if you're trying to make take the next step as a club, you better beat the you better beat the little provincial teams in your backyard. Yep. Yeah. Uh and yeah, you're gonna say with Fiorentina, it's, oh, it's a derby, it's always gonna be tight, but this is a derby they've dominated recently, right? And it, mm-hmm. you look at the paper and it's miles apart, these two teams. Uh, how they should be performing, and what you saw is, you know, Epley they kept playing. I mean, freaking Caputo had a goal taken away where, yes, it was a handball. It, was a, it looked like a great diving header, but it was off his arm. But Epley came to play. They did, and it didn't seem like 
the passion was there for Fiorentina like it was for for Empoli. Um, and yeah, that's for a game like a derby. You shouldn't have to get your your players up for a derby, and if you do, that's that's worrisome. I think um, we saw that obviously in the Milan game with with Inter, but also here with Fiorentina, and so. We'll we'll see what 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 they're made of. They have these moments where you're just like, what the heck, right? Yeah, they lost the Inter four nothing, but they had some other head scratching results. You're like, this is not the team that I'm accustomed to. But they got so much talent, and I think I'm a, I know they're going to get out of it. It just will it affect their position in the table? And to your point about picking Bologna higher than them, it very well could. Where you got a team that's playing very steady ball, not bringing attention to themselves, getting results, and then Atalanta, Fiorentina. You know, up and down sometimes, right? They get a lot of wins, but they get these losses, and you're like, "Wait, what? What, what are you doing? What? Are you, what's going on here?" It's uh, we'll we'll see how this plays out, but um, maybe the uh, extending themselves to different competition is not going to be as easy this year as it was last year. Yeah. Um, Sotil has been sacked at Udinese. Uh, Paulo Souza was sacked over the international break at Salernitana. Yep. Is Ivan Juric at Torino next? It's tight. I mean, you look at the table and it's not where exactly where they want to be. They're not playing the greatest of ball at the moment. Um, but it's got to be a thing, right? I think I hate to say it, but I think EDF is safe at the moment, despite yeah. where they are on the table. They're they're playing above expectations. Um, yeah. It, it very well could be that he is the next manager to go. Uh, and it's shocking to believe because he's got, he got this team, at least to this point in Juric has where they play in sound defensively. They make, they're a pain in the ass for anybody that plays against them, but they're not getting results. Uh, and they're sitting, currently sitting in 14th place. That's not where they want to be. They want to be eighth, ninth, 10th position. Um, and yeah, I, I got to think that he's probably the next manager to, to go because you look at, you look at Eppoli, Andrea Zoli, that he's doing actually, he got a win in the derby. That's that's going to help him right there, right? Hellas is out yeah. of the relegation zone. Um, I think Ranieri could be a next one there, but you know, I would think. But only at Hellas Verona, I think, would be the other one that's in trouble too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to see two or we're going to see at least two or three more sackings, yeah. possibly even before Christmas. Five managers. Yeah. Up to five managers possibly not having Panatoni. Opanatone. It's going to be a lot more managers. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. No Panatone. That's, that's something that we're going to need to keep an eye on. Yeah. Souza's out. Panatone was. Yep. Chelsea is back at Udinese. Uh, we've got three down right now. So at least two more could go. I think it's um, Yeah. It's it's very possible. So we're going to have to keep an eye on it. Uh, Andre, it's only coming back to Empoli. I think it's just the right fit. I mean, with and what how, Empoli have personnel-wise, it's a really, really good fit for the way Andre Atzilli likes to have his teams play. And don't discount Rudy Garcia, because we already heard ADL said on the record about his manager not knowing how to manage in, in, in Italian football. So yeah, unless Napoli start running off these amazing results back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, he's another guy who ADL could be like, peace, because I, I, fully, I fully expect him to be gone before the end of the season. Yep. Pipo and yeah, Zaghi. Did- got his result. Is Pipo at Salernitana? He is. He is. How did I miss that? I don't know. He he yeah, he he took over the job for um uh obviously Souza and uh yeah, because everyone's already looking at hey, let's look at Salernitana Inter for the uh, Simone for the Inzaghi Derby there. So uh yeah, 
He had his first stint there. We'll see how he does with them. But uh, the the first thing he did was insert Buladia in the starting lineup. Smartly so. That's probably mm-hmm. why Sosa got fired. Uh, and they 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 were they looked decent today. Yep. Or this yep. weekend. I would agree. So yeah, our next guys we're keeping an eye on for the sack are going to probably be to your point, Ivan Juric, uh, Marco Baroni, and Claudio Ranieri. Um, but I would also uh, let's just for shits and giggles throw Giladino in the mix. But I think overall he's going to be fine. I agree. Um, so goals of the week. Uh, I don't really have goals of the week. I think my two my two favorites from this weekend were I'm going to go to the Tuscan Derby, Empoli, uh, Cambiaghi, beautiful backheel to Fazzini. Fazzini finds Giassi with a low cross backdoor, wonderful goal there. And I'm going to stick with the small clubs. I'm going Lecce with my goal from uh, uh, Sansone, beautiful assist to Roberto Piccoli uh, with a goal, game time goal there in that game. So uh, yeah, those are my two best goals for me. Yep. We had uh, we had quantity over quality in terms of the goals uh, this week, to be yeah. sure. Nothing that's going to threaten the goal of the season. Chase. <laughs> uh, yes, Eric. Um, yeah, Di Francesco and Di Aversa are still still have jobs, and Sosa, Sotil, and Zanetti are all out. I wonder what the odds would have been on that. Yeah, um, I'm sure Tonali bet it. Mazinga. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, let's see, man. I, I it's just this is like trying to see what, what you know for as far as goals. I mean, goals are fun and all that other stuff, and we can't. I shouldn't like call them all crap, but but betting's um, where it's at. No, that's not where you're going. What's that? <laughs> I said, but betting's where it's at. I was like, oh, that's not where you're going. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm just gonna pick one goal as my goal of the week, and uh, I'll, I'm gonna go with Di Silvestri's goal for Bologna, the header from just outside the penalty area. I thought you were gonna look at Telly. Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, if I'm gonna pick, I'll throw another one in there. I, I like Fadatelia's first goal. I just liked yeah. the cleverness of, of trying to look for the cross, and then all of a sudden, just changing speed and going to the left and uh, and finishing there. So. I mean that just shows you. It's I, I'll be curious to see when Paramount Plus shows their top five, where what they come up with, because usually we're almost in lockstep with what they release, um, you know, when they do theirs. So, uh, but that's that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to Europe. Uh, key wins uh, for uh, our Serie A teams today: Inter winning over Salzburg two one to now top their group. Uh, Group D, um, and then uh, Napoli going on the road and winning at Union Berlin by a goal to nil. Raspadori uh, on an assist from Faratelia. Inter, uh, by the way, Alexis Sanchez scoring and then a Chalhanolu penalty, uh, getting it done there. Oscar Glauk uh, scoring for uh, Salzburg. So... um, I don't think Inter were in any grave danger here, but I mean the no. the fact that Salzburg were able to make it one one certainly created some concern uh, and certainly some scare here. But uh, they get back up. There was a foul uh, and a penalty. Chalanola puts that away. Uh, but ultimately, Inter they're not top of the group. They're on goal difference. It's Real Sociedad up by up on that. Um, but uh, Inter are second on seven points. Uh, four points clear of Salzburg and can go 
to Austria on match day four and immediately lock up their place in the round of 16. Unreal. Uh, thoughts on thoughts on Inter. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it wasn't necessarily pretty ball. They got a uh, nice, uh, obviously, a nice goal from Alexis um, and then uh, Chalonolo with the penalty, but they got the result. I think that's the most important thing uh, in this situation because Inter of old would have found a way to claw and scratch and wait till the last match day to kind of get a result and get out of the group. Now they potentially have, they put themselves in a position where get a win and you're in with two match days to spare. And that's uh, unreal to think. Um, yeah, you can win the group too, still, but um, hey, more important things to qualify outright. And I think outright qualify with two games remaining. That's just less, less they have to focus on that. Can focus back on City A until the, the draws for round of 16 had come. And so I think Inter in a really great position at the moment. So uh, good for them to get a result uh, against a tricky Salzburg team. It's not like this team is a team you can walk over and, and they certainly handle them fairly well. Yeah, I mean, Salzburg are certainly going to be the underdog of this group. Although Benfica have been just woeful uh, so far through three games. Um, you know, but there's still enough there to put up a fight with the way they play and the way they attend, kind of their what's their DNA when they play, when they actually play. Um, they've got players that you don't really necessarily think the world of, but they go out and they get it done and then they end up going to bigger clubs. I mean, gosh, this is a, what, what, look, just go ahead and look back at what this club has produced through the years. I mean, it starts with Erling Holland, um, but then you go to, you know, what? Why are you laughing? I thought you were talking about Inter for a second. I thought you were going to be like, oh, you know. They I'm talking about, no, I'm talking about Salzburg. <laughs> okay, I know. I, I got it now. When you said Holland, yeah. it clicked in my head. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Noah Okafor now, who's with Milan, and uh, uh, Adeyemi at uh, Borussia Dortmund, uh, you know, the players that have gone through that team. Um, and are now finding you know relative success. Okafor has gotten himself a couple of goals at Milan. He's not getting a lot of playing time, but um, you know these guys go on and they're they're headed to other clubs and they're making an impact there. So um, so RB Salzburg does a good job of finding players that can give you trouble, even though they're maybe not be as strong as they've been, you know, in the past few years. It's still a tough test. It's not like yeah. you're going to walk over them when you play them. So. Exactly. Um, Go ahead and, and and get the result, get the three points, and move on. And what do we say? It's not style points; it's three points uh, that matter. Um, you know, in this in this business. So, uh, speaking of it's not style points; it's three points. Napoli getting it done against Union Berlin, one yeah. nil. Um, uh, Bonucci was not selected; uh, didn't get to come on as a substitute. And I guess oh, is going to have shucks. a con- supposed to have a conversation tomorrow with Urs Fischer as to why. If I'm Urs Fischer, I said it's because you suck. Newsflash, you suck. Yeah, it's because you can't defend, and we're playing Napoli, and I'm not throwing you out there against them. The only place to sell jerseys is North Dakota. That's what <laughs> South Dakota. South, South Dakota. Dakota. Sorry, get sorry. Get it sorry, right. North sorry, North Dakota. Get it right. I apologize. For the rare times that the Dakotas are ever mentioned in a <laughs> podcast, you should make sure you have it right. Damn. Um, so, <laughs> uh, Ross scoring uh, played in by Kvaratelia. I uh, you know, Napoli had more. We watched this game. Napoli had more of the ball. Yeah. You know, the chances weren't there. Were, there wasn't a whole wow factor to their chances. You know, you, you know what you were getting when you were playing against uh, Union with with Trimble back in the picture. You know, he has he's he's crossed the ball six times before he even gets off the bus. Um, 
And, but then he's also capable of the. He, he got a yellow card in the first half. And I was like, he's, he's going to do a whole bunch of crosses, but he's also going to get booked because he's not a great defender and he's got to deal with Kvonatalia. And I think that's who he's that's who he fouled to get the yellow card. Yeah. Um. So Noha was back, um, and he brings a little bit of solidity. He's been a longtime leader for that team. And then you've got Becker and Fofana up front, who can be a nuisance. Yeah. Uh, Charles Becker is a good player. Fofana was also excellent too. Yeah, you know. So it was not. It's it, it's one that Napoli definitely had to navigate through and kind of walking on eggshells to get the result. It's not the Union Berlin, even though they've been on this lengthy losing streak. You know, the pieces now look a little bit better with that team than where they had been. Uh, so an important win for uh, the Partenope and uh, now on six points. And, uh, you know, they win. Braga has to go to the Bernabeu. Uh, could be pretty cut and dry that Napoli, you know, have have gotten themselves the breathing room that they need. Yeah, yeah. And this is a difficult game. It was It was at Berlin. Granted, it was at the Lipio Stadion instead of the uh, Alter Forza Uh But it, you see how daunting the fans were there, and it was always going to be difficult. Yes, Union Berlin are on now a nine-game losing streak, but it's not like they've been blown out all these games. They've lost late games all the time, and so you knew that the game was going to be difficult. How about, uh, Kamara was getting his opportunities early, but you know they were finding ways to kind of shade over there. Napoli were lucky in the fact that Fofana made this great run uh, I forget before obviously the Napoli goal uh, makes it makes a great run crosses it in and I think Becker scored or forget who scored there for for Union Berlin and it's like damn they they, they caught they caught Napoli and luckily for them um, Fofana was offsides they did well to get their goal I think the big piece for for Union was Rani Kajira coming back he really solidified him with Trimble both really solidified the defense. So he knew it was going to be difficult for Napoli. Yeah, they're going to have all the possession in the world because they're, they're really good at, at ball possession. But Union didn't allow, allow them to create too many opportunities, uh, even with Frederick Renov in goal. Um, but they kept at it. They kept at it. Um, I like this Kajusta kid. He's doesn't have a flair for the, the goal scoring because uh, over the weekend and, and in this game, had some great opportunities and, and didn't do a good job of shooting on target. However... They kept going at it, right? And I think it's so good to see Mario Reeve back in the lineup for the last two games. Um, he seemed to be a difference maker. Not that Oliveira is a bad player, but it's, it's something about Rui on that starting lineup that that team seems to you know to do well. And Di Lorenzo looked better than he did previously. Um, Natan was all over the place. He made them great tackle late in the game. And he was all fired up young at the Union Berlin bench. Uh, good result. And I think yeah. also the shows is that it's a different element. It's a different beast with Raspador in the lineup, right? Obviously, you know, with Osiman, world-class striker, he's going to be everywhere. But Raspadori, he's he's shifty. He can go all around. Set pieces are, are better with Raspadori because he's such a good uh, free-kick taker. And so it's a different element. He can he can distribute the ball so so well. Uh, Politano has been playing so well lately for, under Rudy Garcia. And so this team is still very good. And now that they're in a really good position, uh, like you said, with Braga going to the Bernabeu and um, – yeah, a little bit of breathing room and hey, get your results here in and get a result against Real Madrid and move on. I think it's uh, Rudy Garcia looks more comfortable on the European stage than he does in the league. Yep. So it's a, an important win there for, for Napoli. Um, now they get them at, at uh, the Maradona in a couple of weeks' time, and you got to expect that they'll take care of business there. Uh, but just a little side of caution there with them that they're that, – that, it's an Union Berlin that is eh, okay. They're still losing, but they're they're 
they're getting their they're starting to get their feet a little bit here. So we'll see what kind of team they are uh, when uh, we uh, resume or they resume acquaintances here in a couple of weeks. Um, let's move on to Wednesday's. Uh, let's preview Wednesday's games and let's start with Feyenoord and Lazio. Richard Feyenoord's third in the Eredivisie right now. Uh, they've been on a torrid winning run through nine games in the Eredivisie. They've scored thirty-two goals, only conceded six. Uh, you know, so in a league that's that's known for scoring, they're not letting anybody score. Uh, coming off a four-nil win over Vitesse, uh, they had beaten Svola two-nil uh, um, away at the break. They're coming off of losing to Atletico Madrid three-two, so the, they're capable of scoring. Um, you know, when you look at them as a team. Uh, when you look at the players, everything runs through stings. Uh, we know of Alireza Yahangbach. Uh, Paishao is another player. Hartman as a left back, uh, capable of getting forward and causing some problems. Um, if there's some fortune here for Lazio, Santi Jimenez is doubtful for the game, as is Ivanusec, the, Ivanusec, the uh, Croatian international. Those are a couple of key guys. But this is a Feyenoord team. And these two, Lazio and Feyenoord saw each other a bit. I think then they see each other in the Europa League and group stage last year, and there were plenty of goals there. Um, and if Lazio is not careful, this could get away from them pretty quickly uh, playing in Rotterdam. What do you think? How do you size up Lazio's chances uh, going to Holland tomorrow? Well, first, an Eredivisie fact. Um, you mentioned Feyenoord is currently third in the Eredivisie table. Do you know who is third from the bottom currently in Eredivisie? Ix, Ix, relegation yeah. zone right now. Wow, crazy. Anyway, that is crazy. Um, Feyenoord is a a dangerous beast. They can they can score goals, but they got you know it's young players who play really well. Um, Lazio have to be up for this game. It's it's if they get the result, they need to get these results to, to move on. Obviously, and I think they're more than capable, but they cannot take this game lightly. Sadi has to have his best lineup in here. Some amalgamation of it. Luis Alberto's got to play from the start. I mean, you even got to have probably Pedro in there as well. Um, Zakani, the whole the whole gang. Um, it's going to be a difficult game against Feyenoord. They're going to find a ways to try to counterattack you. They had good, really good pace in this team. It's, it's about all these Dutch teams. They're all they always so fast. Them and the, and the Portuguese. You know what they lack in maybe star power. They have in, in pure pace that they can beat you. Right, and we talked about those in Braga with uh, with against Napoli. But uh, yeah, Lazio, I think you're gonna have to limit the limit the chances against them. Obviously, um, Provadel seemed more human as of late, mm-hmm. if that's fair. And I think the Napoli defensive are gonna really have to discipline themselves, give the back four some help. Um, like I said, the midfield is gonna have to control that game, and then get it to your your attackers who have the the, the skill set, and let Luis Alberto do his thing. I think. Uh, how they approach this game is going to be whether they win or lose. If they if they take this game seriously, with it's a, a serious team as in fire, they'll be okay. They can get a result, especially on the road. But if they come out here thinking, "Oh, we're Lazio, we're better than them," they're going to lose. <laughs> they're going to probably lose big, probably three one if they do that. So I'm going to say hopeful and say two two. I say two two. Mm-hmm. Hopeful. I I'm with you. I think it's a. I, actually, I'm going to pick Feyenoord to win. Okay. Um, but I think it's going to be an entertaining game. I'm going three two. Um, I I I believe there'll be goals in this game. 
Um, the only thing is, the only thing that would keep me from making a prediction like that is that the striker that's going to probably start for Fiorentina, uh, Ueda, is not particularly experienced in these particular situations. But sometimes that can be a good thing, um, you know, when you don't know what you're getting into. Yeah. So um, we'll see. Uh, PSG Milan, this is the one that everybody's talking about. A lot of Milan fans sticking their chest out, having a lot of confidence. Let me warn you, uh, PSG has scored 10 in their last four in Liga, three wins, one draw. And in that draw, um, uh, Maury Giao for Claremont Foot was a modern-day Gigi Buffon, uh, mm-hmm. 10 saves. Uh, so 10 on target for PSG and they didn't score. So believe me, they, it's not like they just kind of, you know, struggled. They just, they only struggled to score. They did everything else right. So they're, they're a team that are starting to hit their stride under Luis Enrique. This isn't, you know, a few weeks ago after what happened at Newcastle, I would have probably agreed with most of the Milan fan base and said, yeah, I'm not worried about this at all. Look at how they performed against Newcastle, but they have really straightened it out at home. If they can carry that now over to the Champions League, that could spell problems. The one thing that helps Milan here is that Teo is rested, and a Teo that can play 90 minutes on rest is a very dangerous Teo. So you've got that to counter with. I think Leo's a problem. I think the combination of him and Leo can put some pressure on Hakimi on that right-hand side. Um, You've now got Pulisic on the right, which can help balance things out. Uh, it's can they get things through the midfield? Uh, PSG has some guys out, but not their main guys. I agree. And Anthony made mention of you could get the occasional Donnarumma blunder. What I'm concerned about is what PSG do up front. You know, is it Ramos as a striker with Mbappe off to the left? Is it, I've seen it where it's Mbappe and Colomwane up front together. Um, You know, I've seen a variation. Dembele fix, f- figures into this mix. Vitinha. There's, this is still a dangerous team that is starting to figure it out under Luis Enrique. Um, I'm more concerned than most Milan fans seem to be. Yeah, I, I am too. I mean, this is this game has so many storylines, right? It's Donnarumma. It's Mbappe, who's a Milan fan. It's Magnon coming back to a PSG, right? It's uh, Teo Hernandez, Hernandez brothers, right? It's so many different storylines in this. Um, it's going to be a difficult game. It's obviously you're going to have to have a top-notch Magnon, and and the back four is really going to play. Obviously, I, I would imagine Tiao doesn't get a start in this one. Um, Tomori has to continue his brilliant play as of late, and maybe see a. I'd like to see Kalulu personally. In the, in the back, back, you know, center back pairing, but uh, Kiara is probably going to get the start, and Calabria is going to have to play well. I mean, this whole team is going to have to play well. You're going to have to do the job defensively. You probably going to see Krunich starting this one. <laughs> I, I think he has to. Right. Uh, I don't think I've seen enough from Oddly defensively to be to feel really good about him in a game like this. So no, no I agree, and I think Rinders. I mean, the whole team. It's going to have to be a top level performance by everybody in this team. Um defensively, you get you know what the you know what the talent they have, right? And Mbappe is yeah. obviously leading target there, but they got so many good talented players on the offensive side. 
stop that first and foremost and then go on the counterattack. And that's where try to take advantage of the guy like Hakimi. Put make him defend. Make a defend. He, he's up in the attack. That's gonna be a problem for me. We saw what he's done over the years uh when he was an inter and that in that wonderful year that they won the, the scudetto um under uh, Conte. And so it's gonna be a it's gonna be a battle. It's gonna be a true battle. Like I agree with you. A couple weeks ago after that Newcastle game, I would say, yeah, I'm not really worried, but they found their way. They really have. And it's gonna be a, a top notch battle. Uh, in Paris, Parc de Prince is going to be going to be bumping there, and so um, a, a score result, a score draw, I think would be a good result in this game, honestly. Whereas a couple of weeks ago, a couple months ago, I probably would have said a win would be the, the, the more likely scoreline. Score draw is a good result. I just not sure they're going to get it. Um, I'm leaning PSG two one, and uh, yeah, that yeah. I hope I'm wrong. I really do, but I. I, you know, I don't feel terribly, I don't feel terribly confident. I mean, uh, teams that counter well do pretty well here against PSG. We'll just, we'll see. Um, and then, but when you, when you factor everything, I think Milan will score. I just wonder if PSG are able to find ways. This is going to be a hell of a game. That's for sure. It is. It is. And the so, crowd is going to be raucous. Um, yep. I can't, I can't wait for the return leg too, but uh, yeah, it's going to be, going to be goals. We'll see who wins, if anyone. All right. Let's get into the Europa League. we got Roma getting ready to take on uh, Slavia Prague at the Olimpico. Atalanta are going to travel to Sturm Graz. Uh, Roma and Slavia Prague are both on six points uh, in their group, and it's, it's Servet and Sheriff are on zero. So they've won both of their games. Um, Slavia Prague have a history of uh, making – opponent's life hell uh in european competition uh some of the guys that you're probably if you're a roma fan that you're going to want to concern yourself with uh momir chidal i think is it chidal or chidal uh the striker for slavia prague who's their leading scorer uh you've got lucas masapus who's a defense who's listed as a defender plays in midfield as well uh has a lot of experience holish is in there um you know, so they've got some guys that have been performing relatively well. Uh, if you look in their, um, if I look at them in their in their league, you also have Václav Bureczka. He's another forward that could factor into this situation. Matej Jurasic is a Jurasic is a good player, is a decent player. These are the names that you're going to probably hear as the game goes on. Uh, if you're a Roma fan, that you want to concern yourself with. Um, yeah. So, having said all of that. I don't think if, if Mourinho wants to really chase this thing and get after it, he's going to, he's going to be able to pick his lineup and, and I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that Roma are going to pick their score. Uh, but I think that this is a game that Roma should win two nil. Um, I'm just illustrating the players that are going to give Roma some problems along the way. Um, but it's going to be your typical Mourinho performance, typical labored performance. I don't think Roma, blow away Slavia Prague here, even though the game is at the Olympico. 2-0 feels right to me. Yeah. Um, this game's interesting for me. I want to I want to say Roma win 2-0, but I just have this feeling that they'll find a way to do some stupid goal against and it'll be 2-1. Uh, but I, I do feel they're going to win this game um, and you know take a good control of this, this group. This team is more than capable of, and I think a good result against a good Monza, Monza club over the weekend was a good boost for them. Um, Mourinho is certainly going to be fired up and get, he's going to have his team ready I think it's just uh, 
what does the starting lineup look like, right? And can they keep the guys healthy? Uh, yeah. But I, I, I'm confident in, in Roma and getting a, and a three points in this one. Yep. Uh, Sturmgratz and Atalanta. Okay, so as far as Sturm are concerned, okay, Atalanta lead this group. They're on six points. They've scored four, conceded one. Sturm have a win and a defeat. I believe they lost to Sporting Lisbon. Um, yeah, so. yeah uh, so, uh, but if they, they uh, beat, yeah, they beat Rakoff, uh, and then they lost 2-1 to Sporting. So they're capable, Storm are capable of giving you trouble. William Boving is going to be the guy that, that jumps out because he has scored a couple of goals in this group. But as far as it pertains to the Austria Bundesliga, Shimon uh, uh, Lodarczyk is the leading scorer. Uh, another striker, uh, Vutrich is a defender that uh, can come forward and score, but he also has some playmaking capability. Um, you know, so they've got a good, you know, they've got a decent mix of guys that can give you some trouble. Um, those would be the names that I would probably concern myself with if you're thinking about Sturm and you're trying to, if you're an Atalanta fan, trying to get focused on the game. I, I, I legitimately think Atalanta win the game. Um but another one that's going to be narrow. I don't. I don't think it's a runaway kind of thing here, Richard. Uh, Atalanta will go to Austria. They'll take care of business, and then they'll come home and focus back on league. Two one to Atalanta. Yeah, I agree with you. I think um, Atalanta looked nice so far in Europa League. Four goals, four one against um, in Sturmgratz. Not the same Sturmgratz of old. They're probably going to give. Being at home, they're probably going to give a little bit more um, risque and try to get more push forward a little bit more. But I think. That just means Atalanta encounter them, like you were saying. I think um, you would you say two one? You said right. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go. Yeah, two one on the road. I like that. I like that. Yep. Okay. And then finally, in the uh, Europa Conference League, Fiorentina is taking on uh, Chukaricki. Uh, Fiorentina right now sit third in their in in their in their group on two points. They drew uh, Ferencvaros, and then they drew Genk. Uh, so now they deal with uh, Chukaricki. Um, players to worry about there. Uh, Miladinovic in the midfield, he's kind of the playmaker for this team. He's the guy you're going to probably have to close down and shut down. Uh, three goals and two assists just in, the le- in, in, the, uh, in their domestic league this season. Um uh, as far as goals, they've just scored one goal. It's a midfielder, Ivanovic. So um, Fiorentina is a minus 1,000 favorite in this game for a reason. Uh, it's a Chukaricki team that's kind of been a nice story as far as getting here, but they're out of their element against Genk and Ferencvaros. They're definitely going to be out of their element against Fiorentina. Coming off of losing the Tuscan derby, Italiano is going to want to set a tone, I think. Um, I, I think they score at least four. Uh, but 4-0 is probably where I'm going to go. But it's Fiorentina. They do brain fart their way into giving up a goal. So I'm going to give Chukarichi. Let's go 4-1 Fiorentina. Yeah, I, you know, you, you want to say that uh, Fiorentina should really dominate Cucarella or Chukarichi. Chukarichi. Yeah, tight. No, but uh, no, I agree. <laughs> I think they're going to want to make amends for the, the poor game against Empoli. They're going to come out trying to make a statement saying like, hey, that's just a one-off. We're, we're, we're past that. Um, and I, I expect a, a statement game. Um, three nothing. I like I like that shot. I mean, I think they're going to take this game very seriously. Uh, they obviously took conference league last year very seriously, but 
they're gonna make a statement. It's all about showing off, showing that they the last game in the derby was it was, was a blip, and they're gonna move past that because this is a good team. Um, yep. And I don't expect the, I don't expect the Cucurellas to make any fight to Chuchkarichki, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's not gonna be easy for uh, for them at all. And I think Fiorentina wins this handily. Yep. I am with you there. Uh, so that's the European roundup. We still got who won culture Twitter to do, Richard. We do. We do. Let's let's get on to the world's most popular hashtag game then. Who won culture Twitter? All right. Well, starting things off. What about the people he murdered? What murder? <laughs> he was the best guy around. So originally, uh, Art Vandele says, Fagioli didn't do anything. And then Joe Cappuccino says, me, when someone asked about Fagioli's betting scandal, it's like, hey, forget about it. He didn't do nothing. He did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So at uh, Seria Memes is a Who Won Calcio Twitter nominee. Uh, <laughs> Nicolo, Disney Pixar. That's uh, a new movie coming out. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh that's good. Uh, moving on, it's uh, Ufficiale, and it's uh, Nico Fagioli Simulator. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, probably get flagged for the family guy there, but uh, <laughs> funny nonetheless. Funny nonetheless. Leader in the clubhouse. Leader in the club. Okay, huh? another one for uh, City of Memes. Uh, I'll let you translate this. <laughs> uh, so don't forget about the two consecutive European finals. And it's this <laughs> Mourinho. Uh, yeah. when, uh, when Kevin Preston James says. Yeah, yeah the, the, the meme that's been going around lately. So, Okay, City of Memes. Okay, and now Pogba edition for Atalanta with Gasparini. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the juicing and the juicing continues, right? All oh, right. Mercy. Moving on, it's Bellingham goals this season. <laughs> funny by troll football but belly has been playing ridiculous this year that's funny he has been he definitely has been okay uh troll football sleeping habits of some football stars neymar rolling around <laughs> salah akimi messi <laughs> Oh, fucking. Oh, God. <laughs> in the bus. Coffee. Sergio Ramos. <laughs> Red card. Ten Hag. Ten Hag, yeah. I came again. worth it oh that's good that's good troll football all right uh at max juventino there goes betting now i need one more to win <laughs> illegal betting financial irregularities european ban doping scandal head of injuries terrible 
point deduction, X player lawsuits all marked down. Now Allegri extension is all that's left. Did I miss that? Where is that? You did. It's uh, October 11th. You no- uh, We nominated it. Oh, well, uh, it didn't show up on my screen. I remember that one. That is a funny one. On that theme, Juventus News Live 2022-2023 uh, 2023 for Juventus so far. Chiesa injury, Pogba extortion case, Pogba season and injury, plus Valenza case, dreadful football, board resigns, point stocked, points return, worst Champions League season in recent memory, points stocked again, finished third but actually seventh, bullied out of Super League, kicked out of Europe, Europe for one season, Pogba doping allegations, Pogba counter-analysis positive, Bonucci Seuss club, Fajoli betting scandal, and everyone's laughing their ass off. <laughs> uh, real quick one at no context footy why the fuck Greatsman bald looks like guardiola <laughs> yeah i saw that one that was funny uh oh there's a bingo one i see i see your one now okay i got it yep different order different order there's the uh there's a Greatsman one there with uh that's funny mm-hmm. i think it looks more like ten hog than anything else all yep. right. Uh, from day since Rubentis won the Champions League. Unexpected. Rubentis player Nicolo Fagioli is being investigated for betting reasons on day number one, 10,003 since the fraudulent team won the Champions League. Nice. <laughs> oh. uh, I'm going to skip uh, Z Potorki 11 ACM. All right. I don't think we need to deal, discuss you know things that are with conflicts going on like that. Uh, what at what could do so mad? Ferlani and Moncada were cooking with Tonali sale. So. <laughs> uh, there was uh, another one we skipped. Uh, Kicks and picks podcast. Uh, so Rizzo says, uh, IT, IFTV says Nico Fajolo has been investigated, and Kicks and picks said we would like to formally announce this week's guest on the pod. <laughs> 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 they obviously do betting betting on that on that show. Kicks and picks. So that's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh let's see uh not doing that like you said uh here we go lisi so this is the, the original picture is italy propaganda it's federico chiesa tonali fagioli and zagnolo talking what are they talking about so chiesa you guys actually bet on games tonali yeah while well, sitting on the bench zagnolo yeah what's the big deal don't you fagioli uh <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, who we've had on this podcast before. Yeah. Uh, Pogba caught illegally doping. Fajoli faces up to a three-year ban for illegal betting. And still the worst scandal of them all is the rumor that this club wants Bernadeschi back. <laughs> oh, Bernadeschi. Good one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, out of context football. It's Tonali at the betting tables. Our guy looks like him. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. Poor kid. Uh, okay. At Nicholas underscore Calcio, Berardi against small teams. And it's a picture of Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The original R9. Ronaldo. R9. The original. R9. All right. Daniel Lucci. So the original tweet was, Tonali was only only name mentioned in document on the Fagioli presented. So Fagioli ratted him out for, I don't know if we mentioned that earlier, but uh, Fagioli to Tonali as soon as the ops come asking questions. Throw him <laughs> under the bus. Yep. <laughs> Daniel Lucic with that one. Uh, okay. At Joe underscore Cappuccino Fajoli out to Juve after 10 months. Oh, I turn... guess it's over. Hey, here he is. Here he is. Oh, you broke your cherry. <laughs> <laughs> you broke your cherry. <laughs> Good fellas. Oh. One of the all time uh, classic mob movies. I'll, yeah. I'll say this, though. I think the, the best mob movie i've ever seen um 
I think I think that's probably the best one out there as far as script plot sticking to the true story and all that other stuff was the uh, Gotti, not the one with John Travolta, the original one that came out in the mid '90s with Armando Sante. Okay, have you seen Have you seen that one? I don't think I have. Okay, check that one out. All right. Uh, uh, there are people out there that are saying that they were they were as close as you're going to be allowed to get. Um, you know, to what really went on. So, um, so if people ever want to get that, want to revisit that kind of history. So, um, uh, at C. Calchistica, 8.30 a.m., uh, Crotone officially sacking their manager. Uh, at 2.40 p.m., Crotone officially unsacked their manager. (laughs) Yeah, just kidding. We'll come back here, please. We got no takers. You know I hit you because I love you. (laughs) <laughs> Gianna Della Colle is Fagioli in the courtroom. So Fagioli on the betting app was given to me by Tonali. <laughs> yeah. right? Oh my god. All right. Uh at Milan Posts. Um AC Milan are among a host of Syria clubs monitoring Harry Maguire's situation. I said that's gotta be a I said for fuck's sake, that's gotta be a who on couch on Twitter nominee because that's that's some bullshit right there. Like who the fuck wants Harry uh, Harry Maguire? Yep. Uh, I got nominated for this. Obviously, I can't do that. But for Lonnie, when United called their bluff about uh, Maguire. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I love that meme. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, you did that one already. Oh, no. Betty Knapp was given to me by... Yeah, when the, when the Betty Knapp was given to me Tanoli by uh, Fajoli. Tanoli's like, the Betty Knapp was given to me by Zagnolo. So he's throwing out Zagnolo under the bus. Tonali is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, we got Bob replying. The Italian players. Okay, this is from at Don Atius. The Italian players will really miss out on the Euros, but at least they bet for England and William Hill. I'm like, I'm leaving here with something. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm from around the way. I'm leaving with something. <laughs> oh, I love that that's great. Uh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Uh, that's my. That's my. Uh, that's yeah, th- that's my pick in the clubhouse right now. Yeah, you got nominated too. It's uh, what is stopping the team from winning Euro twenty twenty four? Other teams are better than them. <laughs> yeah, I made some smart ass comment too. It's like really like. Yep. All right. <laughs> uh, our friend George. Nominated, our friend George is in the house. Tonali when Milan lost 5-2 to Sassuolo, but he bet over five goals. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good, George. That's one of your better ones there. Buffon talking to these kids at Covertiano. Right stuff now. All right, so I got to teach y'all how to get around all this stuff, too. <laughs> if you're going to have a crew, one of them fools got to know he going to jail. We'll get him out. We'll get him out. <laughs> you got to have a fall guy. You got to have a fall guy. Yep. Oh, my God. Oh, my all right, so uh, Saturnian is in. I don't like how disproportionate the punishment for Fajoli is compared to Tonali. Frankly, Tonali is being overpunished. Fajoli is banned for seven months, while Tonali has to live in Newcastle for another year. <laughs> <laughs> Bazinga! Apex, so that's Nap- Napolinismo's new account. Which one is it? Uh, send us a, a message. Which one it is? Um, I'm curious. Uh, I wonder if it's that Beto Acevedo. Anyway, Don Atius, Don Atius, I think. Oh, is in, Don Atius. Okay, okay, okay. Which wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me? 
Yeah, because here's another nomination here, and it's uh, Tonali and the three years ban for betting. He's a Trojan horse. And Milan's like, here you go, Newcastle. Here's your new Trojan horse. <laughs> <laughs> creative, creative. All That's right. Uh, Kino, Apex Crafter nominated Kino. I think Kino has um, uh, been a winner in the past. Redbird after selling Tonali for $80 million, knowing he had a gambling addiction. Laughing about it, money coming in. Push it to the limit. That's a good one. All right. Uh, Christian says, Allegri to Fajoli when he broke down on the bench for Sassuolo. Fact, 90% of gambling addicts quit right before they're about to hit hit it big. (laughs) Keep doing it, kid. (laughs) At Francescalcio, Sassuolo left back looks familiar. Uh, (laughs) They got Brunella's face there for Pedersen. Womp, womp, womp. Big show, top score in Serie (laughs) A. It's it's Bert. Is it Bert or is it Ernie? Which one is that? I I don't remember anymore. It's Bert. Bert. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it looks like Latardo. Sure does. Yep. Uh, oh gosh. It's actually really funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, huge three points for Arsenal and oh, their three three two win uh, from at Beto Acevedo. Um. I don't understand the joke. I don't even oh, know. this team's mentality in the 97th minute. Yeah, okay. Got it. Uh, I didn't even okay. see it. I'll take your word for it. Uh, the Vafangul, Art Morelli, says Interna- international Milano fans rooting for Juventus tomorrow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, let's see. So oh. uh, Saturnian again. <laughs> uh, wow, can't wait to see the Coliseum next time I go to Milano. So Fox Soccer posted out this thing for the game, and it was Milan versus Juventus, and the Coliseum was behind it. It's like, no, that's Rome. What are you doing? That's not that's not where the Sancito is. <laughs> so he's like, wow, I can't wait to see the Coliseum next time I go to Milano. <laughs> they obviously took it down because uh, they they whoops. <laughs> All right. Where are we at now? We've uh, got Wayne Gerard. It's uh, when you're fired from valet parking after being accused of taking the Ferrari for a joyride, and it's Allegri throwing off his uh, his old clothes basically. Yep. In the Milan game. <laughs> All right, and then and then uh, I we um, I have to a fee. I have our, our one of our competing podcasts got nominated. Uh, Giro played Giro plays goalkeeper one time, and now he's the backup for Salernitana. <laughs> he kind of looks like him. <laughs> yeah, kind of does. Uh, needs to highlight his hair though. Needs to highlight his hair. So, uh, I think we're in agreement about who the winner is in this one. It was the uh, Donatius. Can we confirm that that is the new uh, Apex says it is. Apex says it is. Okay. Let's go find uh, it. I've got it. I just want to see it again. There we go. What's this one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Denzel Washington and Jamie yeah. Foxx. Yeah. I'm from around the way. I'm leaving with something. I'm leaving with something. I'm like, I'm leaving here with something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm from around the way. I'm leaving with something. <laughs> I'm leaving with something. Uh, Don Atius. Don Atius. 100 days account. Yeah, yeah, I assume this is him. It looks like right up his alley with the tweets, but. Uh... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That is funny. I think the old Napoleon Eastmo account got banned or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm out of water. 
But that oh, was who really? I catch your Twitter. So yeah. Uh, shout out real quick to um, Anthony Peretra from Inter Worldwide and uh, Football Worldwide uh, joining us on the podcast last week to uh, fill in for Frank. Uh, did a marvelous job as always. Uh, yes, he did. So uh, fantastic to have him on. Always good to see him. Good to talk to him. Our friend over there down under. So uh, yeah, great to have him on. He did a great job. It was a great listen. Uh, yeah. So um, occupied some air travel time for me uh, on my way on my flight home. So I appreciate it. Um, so with that, I think we're going to put a bow on this edition of City I Sit Down. Um, just it's as my yeah, wife. my health notification on my phone said it's time for bed. I thought you were saying your wife said it's time to go to bed now. Come on. No, it's my like I have it. I have my like I'm well, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's what I get for being an old man. I, yeah. I like remind myself when I'm supposed to go to bed. <laughs> so we're going to put it. So with that said, we're going to put a bow on this edition of City I Sit Down. Uh, we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts, there's City I Sit Down. At City I Sit Down on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it these days. It's also on Instagram. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Uh, so check us out in any of those spots. If you're watching us here on the YouTube channel and you have not watched us on the YouTube channel before, then hit the subscribe button so that you know when, and especially the notification bell so that you know when we're going back live again. And also please drop a like, uh, cause you know, you enjoyed yourself here, uh, during this time. Um, that's all I got. We got some big games this weekend, Napoli, Milan and Inter Roma. Yeah. 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 So it should be doozies for sure. So can't wait. Yep. Can't wait. I like uh, Milan has figured out Napoli, so I'm gonna st- I'm gonna continue to ride that mm. and go one nil to Milan. I'm gonna go Inter and Roma one one. Okay, I'm gonna go draw on the Milan game and Inter win their game. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. So, uh, so that was our. Cliff Notes version of what we think are going to happen in the big games this weekend. We'll talk about those more. Uh, well, next Tuesday night's Halloween, Richard. So when are we going to do this? Uh, next day, I guess. Maybe Wednesday. Maybe Wednesday. We'll see. We'll we'll get back to you guys. Yep. Yep. We'll uh, we'll let you all know when we're going to get live again. So uh, you'll f- check us out at City I Sit Down on Twitter is where you know we'll uh, we'll give you the heads up on when we go live again on the YouTube channel. So. Yep. Uh, we'll have to figure out schedules because our kids like to trick or treat and our wives are going to expect us to be going around the block with them instead of being on here cu- talking culture with all of you. That's Hope you right. understand. That's right. Chat, thank you. You guys are yeah, awesome. Yeah, as always. Uh, we great always get the great comments, great questions, great input. Appreciate you guys. Uh, always, always, always. Um, so with that said, for Richard, I'm Frank. As always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.